0: You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up, guys? Week number five for the fourth phase. And uh, because my beloved Chicago Bears are playing on Thursday night, the uh, preview episode for the Thursday night game came out uh, on Wednesday. So go ahead and check that out if you want to hear a more in-depth preview uh, for that game and uh my conversation with uh Mr. Who from the Washington Commanders declassified podcast I had a great time talking to him also i was on the declassified uh podcast on uh tuesday uh as well so if you guys want to get in touch with that or get a get a glimpse of that uh, me in enemy territory go ahead and check that out uh as well so but we've got uh, 14 games uh to talk about today cuz uh we have a we have bye weeks starting this week. There are four teams on the bye, so that means we are shy two games. So usually we have sixteen. That brings us down to fourteen. So we've got uh, we will talk about the Bears and the uh, Commanders uh, a little bit. And I swear to God, this is not my bias, but they made the pick six again because it, it very well could be that if the Bears don't show up. I mean, they, they may lose either way, but if they don't show up and play well on Thursday and give the Commanders a game, things could be we they could be making wholesale changes on Friday. There could it could be Black Friday in Chicago if the uh, if the Bears don't show up uh, tonight because uh, this is coming out on Thursday. I'm recording this at on Wednesday night, so when this comes out on Thursday, you know tonight's uh, if the game doesn't go well for the Bears that could be bad news for Eberflus and Getsey and the whole lot of them so but uh, we got news and notes we got the pick six and the all-out blitz so let's go ahead and get started this is the week five preview of the fourth phase so let's get to it Welcome to The Fourth Phase, presented by Bears Talk Underground and Sports Drink Media. And now, your host, Larry D. 14 games on the slate for week number five of the 2023 season. And I was checking this afternoon when I was making my picks for week number five and Yahoo cut off the 15 and 16 value so it's 1 to 14 on the picks for those of you playing the pick'em game uh with me uh as a matter of fact while i'm talking about it let's go ahead and pull it up real quick so we can talk about the standings i think i actually fell in the standings man i really thought i was doing something too i went 11 and 5 again uh this week and um Really thought that I was doing something, needing the, uh, knowing that I had like 12 or 13 points on the um, the Giants-Seahawks uh, game. I was like, man, if the Seahawks win, I'm going to crack 100 this week. That's going to be awesome. And it turns out that it was like, I was, it was like everybody but like four of us scored over 100 points this week. And you know who led the pack? Who won the week this week? Good old mom. Mom nailed it this week, 119 points uh, this week. Let's uh, see where she, yeah, 119 points uh, for mom. And, uh, yeah, she did an outstanding job. Yeah, 119 points, and let's see, she went, let's count the, she actually also, she went 12 and four. Mom went 12 and four, 119 points on the week which is the best that uh, we had to offer in the Bears Talk Underground um, League. Fields of Dreams was nipping at her heels with 118 points Uh, this week. Let's see. JoJo had 112. We had two people with 111. Uh, We had 102 from Azuma's Revenge, 105 S-Van Horn. Yeah, literally. So there are 25 people. Playing the game, or actually, I should say, twenty-five people signed up. Uh, twenty-one of us are actually playing the game week in and week out, and um, let's see: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There were only eight of us out of twenty-one regular players that didn't score a hundred points. But the worst score of the week. Was still eighty nine points, which is not bad at all. It's not great, but it's not bad. That's the worst that uh, we had to offer this week. So it was an outstanding week across the board for for all of us. And uh, looks like we're we're really starting to get the hang of this thing as far as uh, cranking it out. Fields of Fields of Dreams still on top, uh, four hundred and sixteen uh, points. Let me pull the overall standings here so I can see. Yeah, forty six and eighteen, outstanding, bro. Uh, Fields of Dreams 416. Jojo still in second at 405, 44 and 20. Afalava, love that name. 383 for at 40 and 24. McCubin in fourth place. I believe that's an improvement for him. 374 on uh also at 40 and 24. Uh Agent Orange jerseys, very funny. Three sixty seven uh in sixth place. Oops, skipped on skipped uh S. Uh, S Van Horn at three hundred seventy two in fifth place, thirty nine and twenty five. Uh Tanyoka, nobody reached out to me to tell me if I'm saying that name right. Uh Tanyoka 366 on a forty one and twenty-three uh record in uh, what was that? Seventh place, Vlad's picks three sixty one on at forty and twenty-four. Decatur Staley's three sixty at thirty-nine and twenty five. Azuma's Revenge three fifty seven at thirty-nine and twenty-five. That rounds out the top ten. Uh CA Zoid at three fifty six, nipping at his heels, and there I am at twelve. 353 with a 38 and 26 record so those that first week going seven and nine has been uh, a hole that I've yet to dig myself out of I mean I'm 38 and 26 so I'm 12 games above 500 but the guy leading the pack is 46 and 18 eight games better than than I've done uh, thus far so and honestly I shudder to think what would have happened if mom had remembered to put in her confidence values, week one, because I think she went nine and seven or eight and eight week one. Um, but she's she's had outstanding luck with her values. Uh, whereas, I, you know, which is very funny to me because um, I, I I kind of got into this thing with my mom or I got her involved because I told her about this SNL skit that I saw. And for the love of God, I have not been able to find it anywhere like on YouTube or anywhere else. Where I believe it was Peyton Manning that was doing and uh, hosting the show, like on uh, like around March Madness time, and they were doing like a a skit where he's the old uh, basketball veteran, the expert who spent his entire life in basketball, and they show his bracket, and there's nothing but red X's in his picks. It's like none of his teams are that he picked in the Final Four, are still in the tournament or whatever. And they went with the the local gal. Uh, who was making picks based on the fact like well i like this team's jersey so i liked i picked them uh, to win meanwhile she picked like a 16 to 1 upset you know a 16 seed beating a 1 uh, one seed upset and you know and things like that and it was just like for all the good that that guy's expertise did him and here she is does no basketball from a hole in the ground and she's got a she's got a clean bracket uh, making him look like a fool so you know but mom's doing her studying she's learning up on who needs to be picking but as she's she's had a lot better luck with me as than me I should say than me with uh with picking my values because I went 11 and 5 last week and still only scored like 86 points or something like that because the three of the five games I got wrong were like my 16 my 14 and my 13 value game I had much better luck this week and that's why I scored over a (laughs) hundred points but so did the rest of us apparently cuz i was one of 13 or 14 people that scored over 100 points this week so kudos to you all uh for doing uh so well and uh overall we're doing pretty great uh guys i mean mom and i are dead heat 38 and 26 which is why i shudder to say i shudder to think where she'd be in the standings probably ahead of me uh, right now if she'd remember to put in her confidence values uh for week 1 so That's how we stand uh, in the standings for the Bears Talk Underground uh, Pick'em game. So let's go ahead and start up with our news and notes. News and notes for week number five uh, and the fourth phase. And uh, interesting news when I woke up this morning, I heard that uh, J.C. Jackson, who's had quite a tumultuous time in his tenure with the Chargers, is uh, no longer a Charger. He's been traded back to New England, the team that he left to sign a free agent deal with the Chargers. Uh, the, and basically, they're doing a late-round pick swap. The Patriots are sending a 2025 fifth, 6th-round pick to the Chargers. And the Chargers are sending J.C. Jackson and a 2025 7th-round pick to... New England, the Chargers are going to pick up a majority of what's left of Jackson's salary for 2023. The remainder of his contract will stay intact as he you know, will be back with the Patriots. Just signed a five-year, $82.5 million deal with the Chargers last offseason in March of 2022. And um, he got hurt early on in the season, or he, he was either hurt early on and it was a season-ending injury, or he was in and out of the lineup all season because including, like, two games this year, he's only played seven games in a Charger uniform. Let's see, he had 17, 18 if you count the uh, wild card game, and so far four this year. So he's had 22 games uh, that to play in a Charger uniform, and he's only got credit for seven. So not good. But uh, he's headed back to New England where he – made his, made a name for himself and uh, made himself worthy of that $82.5 million uh, contract. Uh, a move that was made necessary by the fact that the Patriots have likely lost uh, first-round pick Christian Gonzalez uh, for the season with a uh, shoulder injury. They said that he had suffered a torn labrum uh, making the tackle on Sunday uh, against the... Um, Cowboys, so I think it happened early on in the game as well. But he he tore the labrum uh, in his uh, in his shoulder. It was dislocated uh, as well, and it's going to require surgery, which means this his season is almost definitely uh, over. So they needed some help at cornerback. Brought back a guy that could basically just step right in and play right away, knowing the system and uh, and what have you. And uh, J.C. Jackson goes back to a familiar place. Uh, where it was, he was a square peg in a round hole in, in, uh, in Los Angeles uh, with the Chargers. So uh, the J.C. Jackson experiment in, in Los Angeles is over, and uh, they get his salary off the books from 2024 and beyond. It's a deal that goes through 2026, and uh, the Patriots get much-needed help in the secondary, and they get back a guy that was uh, a beast for them, especially in his last couple of seasons uh, with them. Speaking of guys making departures, Randy Gregory released by the Broncos today. Another guy who signed a lucrative deal in 2022. Five years, $70 million to join the Broncos uh, last year. And um, if you guys remember, him signing with the Broncos was due to some, like a clerical error or something like that on the part of the Cowboys. And, um, like, I think he wanted to re-sign with the Cowboys, made an agreement with them, but the Broncos missed, the, or the, excuse me, the Cowboys missed the deadline or something like that. They faxed it in late or whatever, and it kind of nullified the agreement, and he instead decided to go with the uh, Broncos and sign a deal with them. I'm probably screwing up that story, but it was actually quite like a, it was a mess that occurred where, like, one second they thought he was staying with the Cowboys, the next second he's off and signing that deal with the Broncos. Well, here we are four games into his second year and he's done with them as well. The representative and he requested his release uh, this season. And unless a, a last second trade comes in, he has been let go uh, by the, uh, by the Broncos. So he's out there available for anybody. And I, I personally would like to see if the bears would be interested, but unfortunately they run a three, four uh, in Denver and we are most decidedly running a four, three uh, these days. So, guess he wouldn't be a scheme fit uh, for us. Um, it was noted that it's a, uh, a move that is said to be tied to a youth movement on the defensive side of the ball as uh, Randy Gregory was pulled from the starting lineup going into the Bear game on uh, Sunday. And Nick Boytino, Bo- I believe his name was, was the guy that played in his place, and he was the one that blew up the play for Justin Fields that forced the fumble, that tied the ball game. That was the beginning of the end for the Bears in the fourth quarter. So it looked like it was an effective move, at least against Chicago it was anyway. So the Broncos are going to stick with that moving uh, forward. Uh, Travis Kelsey has gone on record as saying the NFL is overdoing it with the Taylor Swift uh, coverage. The NFL defended uh, the coverage by calling it uh, this Taylor Swift-Travis Kelsey thing a moment in pop culture. Uh, not to mention the fact that uh, 24.3 million watched the Week 3 game against the Bears uh, when she was in Arrowhead, and another 27 million watched the Sunday night game against the Jets when she was at MetLife. So the NFL is going to cover the hell out of this whenever Taylor is in the building. So, uh, yeah, everyone should just kind of get used to it. As much as I don't like it, I mean, like I said, I'm a fan. I like her music. I like it quite a bit, the, the songs that I have. Listen to anyway. I, mean, I wouldn't call myself a Swifty by any stretch of the imagination, but, uh, you know, I see why people like her. She's, she's very talented, and I don't know about how cute she is. I mean, she's not unattractive, but it's not like, ooh, Taylor Swift. Nah, doesn't really do it for me that way. But, you know, I get why the girls, why the kids love her and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's not hard to see, but, uh, yeah, $27 million for one game, twenty-four point three for a late afternoon game that wasn't even sh- being shown to the whole country. Yeah, the NFL is not going to stop plugging that anytime soon so we can just all uh, forget about it. And finally, the NFL is mulling discipline for Jamal Adams after his outburst during Monday Night Football. Uh, got his bell rung. It was actually his first game back since week one of last year where he suffered a, a pretty bad quad injury, I believe it was. And um, it was his first game back uh, against the Giants on Monday Night Football. Only made it about 10 or so plays into the game before he got his bell rung. It looked like he took a knee to the head when he was tackling uh, somebody. Uh, Was down on the field for a bit. They get him on his feet. He's wobbly. They get him into the blue tent. They evaluate him. And one of the independent doctors that the NFL brings in declared him done for the night. It was like you're – you know, if you're not a concussion protocol, but you're in no state to go into, go back into the ball game, somebody who's been waiting over a year to play football again, was not happy with this news, kind of lashed out at the guy. It was all caught on uh, camera, seemed to get into it with a heckler uh, in the crowd on his way back to the uh, locker room and everything. And, um, you know, you can kind of see he wants to go back into the game, but he's in no state uh, to do so, the doctor made a tough call, but you know he w- and he was an independent guy, so it's not like it was a Seahawks doctor that he knows and that knows him uh, that sent you know tried to get him back in the game. It was unsuccessful. That's why those independent guys are there. And uh, Adams released a statement earlier today, agreeing with the call. He says, uh, first and foremost, I want to apologize to the OG. I'm I'm assuming that has to stand for the doctor." Uh, You did everything right when you realized I was concussed. I apologize for any negative energy I brought your way. Watching the replay, I'm thankful for your patience, knowing I wasn't myself in that moment. You're a real one, and you serve a great purpose that benefits the NFL and so many players. Prioritizing players' health is essential. Much respect to you. So hopefully the NFL realizes the same thing that Jamal Adams did and that he wasn't himself in the moment after getting his bell rung pretty good uh, in the ballgame and uh, decides not to discipline him and maybe issues a warning or some kind of uh, thing. Because I don't think that – I know that Jamal Adams likes to talk, but uh, I don't think he's a problematic uh, player or anything like that. So I can't imagine that uh, – or at least I can't recollect of any other issues that uh, that would have been had with uh, Jamal Adams that would make this part of a pattern uh, for him. Oh, actually, I got one more story I want to talk about. So it's not just tied into the Bears because now we've got another uh, young player, Evan Neal, former uh, Alabama Alabama offensive tackle, was a number seven overall pick for the Giants last year uh, as part of the Justin Fields trade, of all things. Um, has uh, also reacted to home fans booing uh, the Giants uh, during Monday Night Football when they took their 11 sack beating at the hands of the Seahawks on national TV, and um, I'm not really going to get into his comments because he actually he said they were booing, so I said boo louder. Yeah, go ahead. That's that's a good that's a good idea. Why would a lion concern himself with the opinions of a sheep? The person that's commenting on my performance, what does he do? Flip hot dogs and hamburgers somewhere? Says, Neil thought the booze that uh, showered the Giants with some fans are fair weather and bandwagoners. So, again, another fan that uh, doesn't quite get it. Or, excuse me, another player, I should say. Another player that appears not to quite get it because I've – I've talked about this extensively on the Bear Stock Underground because we, we had an issue with it back in 2019 with Akeem Hicks getting upset with fans booing. Uh, a couple of years back, it was um, Eddie Jackson, who was not a fan of fans booing, uh, especially booing the Bears at home, and Jaquan Brisker didn't like it when, Bear fans were booing them during their beating at the hands of the Packers, and again these guys are taking it as something that the bear that they think bear fans are upset about in the moment i mean granted we are but it's boiled over frustration with watching this franchise not play well over an extended period of time because what these guys fail to remember or at least fail to realize in the moment that they're making these comments is that your time with the Bears is temporary. You're not always going to wear a Chicago Bear uniform, or in Evan Neal's case, you're not always going to be a New York Giant. You're not always going to wear the, the blue and white. But long, after, long before you got here and long after you're gone, I will still be here living and dying with this team, rooting for this team. And, you know, because it kind of kind of boils down to people like me who, when they talk about their team, refer to it as we. Ah, you know, we got Justin Fields. We, we made this trade. We signed this guy in free agency. I don't know how we're going to do this year. It's we, we, we. Not because I'm on the team, but because being a fan of this team is part of who I am, so the team is a part of me. That's where the we comes from. And a lot of these players don't get that. And I think it's, um, I don't want to say sad. It's disappointing that they don't get it. You know, it's disappointing that they don't get it. So, you know, it to me, it just, loo- it's, it's, it just looks like another player that, a, again, just doesn't quite get where the frustration is coming from. Because I get it. With the Giants, they're in a similar situation with the Bears, where it, they're not always successful. They've got some great years, and they've also had some really lean years. And recently – there's been a lot more lean years than than good ones. Last year was a surprise, and even after like a six and one start, they still had to. They went nine seven and one to make the playoffs. They just barely got in too. So, you know, there were people were looking forward to this year. They brought Saquon back. They got Daniel Jones on an extension after the great year that he had last year. They made some other moves in free agency, looking like they were ready to rock and roll and Aside from one good half against the Cardinals in week three, if that hadn't happened, they'd be 0-4 just like the Bears right now. And, yeah, people are pissed. It's like you got all excited and very happy for this team. Put And because it's New York, three of the first four weeks of the season, these guys are on national TV and they got their asses kicked horribly in all three of those games. Week one, they lose 40 to nothing at home to the to the Cowboys week 3 they go on the road and get pasted by the 49ers then come back on Monday night football against the Seahawks lose 24 to 3 and give up 11 sacks in the process it's i'd be pissed too if i was a giants fan so and i know that it, where the for the players are coming from they put all their you know blood sweat and tears into this whole thing only to have the, their fans boo them basically which feels like they're being kicked while they're down i get it but This is the part that you don't get, is that it's not just because you guys were bad last night. It's because this team can't seem to hang on to success. You know, you have one good season, and then it's three or four bad years to follow it. And then you come back and you do something where nobody saw it coming, and then, you know, we're off to a one-and-three start and look pathetic in the process. Three nationally televised beatings on television, you know, for the whole country to see. In the first four weeks, I get where the boo's coming from. And apparently Evan Neal doesn't. Especially he went so far as to insult his fans. Like, why would I listen to some, you know, hot dog flipping, burger flipping, you know, fair weather bandwagoners? Like, dude, those are not the people that are booing. The fair weather people, the bandwagoners, they're gone. It's like, well, these guys suck, so I'm out of here. They're not going to boo you. Your real fans are the ones booing you. The ones that buy season tickets, the one that buy jerseys, the one that never miss a game, those are the people booing, not the fair-weather bandwagoners because it's like, hey, it was fun rooting for them, but watching you get your ass kicked on national TV three times in four weeks, those people aren't watching anymore, okay? The true fans are, and they're going to voice their opinions. That's just how it's going to go. So, all right, that's the last thing I got. Let's go ahead and... uh, Get things, uh, rolling here and, uh, well, we've already got things rolling. Let's keep it, let's keep it going. We'll, uh, go with the, uh, the pick six and, uh, actually we go with the all out blitz and we finish with the pick six. So I always get confused. I'm I'm the one running this show and, and yet I always get confused on which one goes first and last. And maybe I'm getting wrong, but we're going to kick it off with the all out blitz. All-out blitz for week number five. We start in Detroit, where Carolina at 0-4 travels out to the Motor City. The Lions are coming off, of, off the mini bye and riding high after that big win on Thursday Night Football over the Green Bay Packers. The Panthers have yet to get a win in 2023, and believe me, they ain't going to find one here. Give me the Lions. <laughs> Tennessee 2-2 two two at 2-2 two two, Indianapolis. The Titans are schizophrenic. They got killed by Cleveland last week then killed the Bengals on Sunday. The Colts on the other hand are also up and down. Uh you know, especially with their down 23 to nothing, they come ahead to tie it in 23 only to blow it in overtime. Should be an interesting divisional matchup between two AFC South teams. I'm going with the Titans on this one.
1: <laughs>
0: Speaking of the Giants, 1 and 3 at the 3 and 1 Miami Dolphins. Miami looking to bounce back after getting rolled by Buffalo on Sunday by 28 points. The Giants, on the other hand, can rejoice in the fact that this one isn't on national TV because Miami is uh, looking to flex on somebody to show that last week's loss was a fluke. Give me the Dolphins uh, in Miami this week.
1: 2-2
0: two and two New Orleans at 1-3 New England. Which one of these offenses will get out of its own way to generate enough points to get a win? Honestly, I have no idea. That's a tough proposition. Right now, I'm going to go with the Patriots because they're at home, I guess. And I don't be surprised if I change this one uh, before kickoff on Sunday. But I'm taking the Patriots for now.
1: <laughs>
0: Baltimore at Pittsburgh. Baltimore 3-1, and one, Pittsburgh 2-2. Two and two. two weeks ago, I would have easily said the Steelers are going to take this one. But a lot's changed since then. Like Baltimore killing Cleveland and the Steelers getting housed by the Texans. So for now... I'm going with the Ravens. Philadelphia at the Rams, 4-0 Philly, 2-2 L.A. The Rams were lucky to leave Indy with a win after blowing a 23-0 lead. No way it ever gets to that point with the Eagles coming into town. Give me the NFC champs on Sunday. Kansas City at Minnesota. The Vikings finally got their first win of, uh, of the season at Carolina on Sunday, so they have that to build on. But this one won't be interesting enough for Taylor Swift to show up because the Chiefs get an easy win over the Vikings in Minnesota. And finally, an interesting Monday night football matchup has both teams coming off divisional losses last week. Green Bay to the Lions, Vegas to the Chargers. Love and company had their issues with Detroit last week, but I like them to get back on track with a win over the Raiders. Give me the Packers. So there you have it, guys, Uh, a a bit of an abbreviated one because outside of our pick six, we only had eight games this week uh, to do on the all-out blitz instead of ten. So, uh, yeah, there it is. Uh, We didn't miss any. I, I made sure to go back and look. We got all eight of them done. So let's go ahead and wrap this thing up with the pick six for week number five. Pick six for week number five. We start in Washington, the two and two Commanders, the zero and four Bears. Hip hip hooray! And um, yeah, what can be said about this game that I haven't already said at length in the preview episode uh, with the Washington Commanders? The classified host Brian, aka Mister Who from the uh, from the show. Uh, but I mean, it's 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 in the it's in here mostly because of the Bears, and it's not so much my bias as a Bears fan. Because trust me, I would love a reason to stop talking about them, especially on this show. But with the prospect of what could happen on Friday, if the fact that the Commanders' defense is not a cupcake defense like the one the Bears took advantage of on Sunday. And if the Bears can't pick up where they left off offensively and make a game out of it and they come out and instead of going 28 for 35 and 335 and four touchdowns, uh, you know, like Justin Fields did on Sunday against Denver, instead he goes, you know, 12 for 31 for a buck 15, maybe one touchdown and two picks uh, doesn't, you know, maybe gets 20 yards rushing that he got on a first down scramble or something like that, and we lose 31 to 10, or something like that. I shudder to think that I'm going to wake up on Friday morning to find out that we don't have a head coach anymore, or that our head coach is now John Hoke, our secondary coach, or, or something crazy uh, like that. Um, the real wild card right now is Kevin Warren, and just how much uh, power does he have within the organization? Um, because he ran the Big Ten uh, before he came to the Bears. So this is a guy, he's a football guy. He's not a finance guy like Ted Phillips was. And that's why the general manager job was such an important gig because that guy literally ran everything as far as football operations are concerned. And I think more now, uh, there is a lot more football things on Kevin Warren's plate. And uh, Ryan Pohl's job is to run the day-to-day operations. But Kevin Warren still has a say in, in hiring the coach and general manager and all that kind of stuff, and the problem there is those guys were hired before he got there, so he's not beholden to either of them. Neither one of them is his choice. So he's got no loyalty to them other than the fact that they are currently in the organization at the moment, and, you know, everyone's hearing rumors that right here, right now, Kevin Warren is already wanting to make a change. And, um, you know, I've had several people uh, come to me um, online and and things like that and say, well, if they get rid of Iberflus, who's going to replace him? And my answer is simple. What does not matter? It doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Okay, whether it's our special teams coordinator, Richard Hightower, whether they hand the keys over to Getsey for the last 12 weeks of the season, neither one of those guys – unless we go 12 and 0 and run the table, is likely to even get an interview for the job in the next offseason. season. It, so it doesn't really matter. That they call it interim head coach for a reason. That we're not just gonna get rid of e and just automatically say, okay, so this guy is our head coach from now until the end of time. That's not how that works. Okay. Everybody is playing is essentially auditioning for jobs somewhere else for the rest of the season. And so it doesn't really matter who the head coach is. It doesn't matter, okay? Because if we're firing Iberflus after an 0-5 start, which would also be a 15-game losing streak at this point, we're we're essentially giving up on the rest of 2023. Not saying that we're going to go to the table and go 0-17 and all that kind of stuff. I don't think that's likely, but, you know, it's just that there is going to be some wholesale changes made, you know, not only with Eberflus being fired, but Ryan Poles maybe headed out with him at the end of the season. We might start from scratch again in, uh, in 2024. So, yeah, it's, that's why this game is in the pick six, because the story surrounding it is very intriguing. The, uh, the Commanders started a 2-0, and but they lost two straight. But they lost those games to Buffalo and Philadelphia, who are arguably two of the best teams the league has to offer. I mean, Buffalo could make a solid argument for being the best team in the league right now behind maybe the 49ers and the Cowboys and stuff. But, you know, so nobody's really surprised that Washington lost either of those games. So it's not it's not like watching the Bears go out and play worse week in and week out. Uh and then not so much play bad last week but just collapse like bad teams do uh with the game on the line like they did against the uh the Broncos. Eric Bieniemy seems to have a real good thing going on uh with Sam Howell and how he's constructed uh the offense and how he got those guys playing it's like they were all kind of pissing and moaning about Him being too tough or too rigid uh, during training camp. Didn't hear any of that nonsense when uh, they got those two wins against Denver and Arizona to start off the year, and Sam Howell's playing like a seasoned veteran. I mean, everybody took a beating last week against Buffalo, and then this past Sunday uh, against Philly. In Philly, they went round for round with the best the NFC has to offer. So, you know, they feel real good about where they're at, and not to mention – uh, tying up the game twice in the fourth quarter to uh send it to overtime. So yeah. It's uh it's a much better situation in Washington as but the focus of the game is going to be the Bears. It really is because of what could happen on Friday if it if it goes bad for the Bears. So losing is one thing because at this point it's almost expected. But how they play will be far more important than whether or not they win or lose. You know, if they come out and it's another solid performance, they you know another back and forth fight to the end, like they did with Denver. Eberflus may may buy him some buy himself a little bit more time, but if they come out and it's another performance like the one against Kansas City, or God forbid, like the, it was against Green Bay they might not let him get back on the plane to Chicago, okay? It really all does boil down to how well the Bears play on Thursday night. And I will be watching with bated breath. I, I'm really, really concerned about what could happen, how this thing could go, and what the rest of the season would look like. I am a huge Justin Fields fan. I've been following that kid since he did the QB1 docuseries on Netflix. You know, followed him at Ohio State. I live in the Midwest, so we get the Big Ten almost exclusively in this area. Watched a lot of Ohio State games, and I was like, man, wouldn't it be something if we could get our hands on Justin Fields? And, you know, and it just felt like it was meant to be. It felt like it was meant to be. When the season ended, mock drafts had Trevor Lawrence going to Jacksonville, Justin Fields at number two going to the Jets. And then the offseason happened. Zach Wilson started to climb uh, the boards. People started falling in love with Trey Lance. I started having concerns with Justin Fields. The next thing you know, he lands in our lap at 11, and we got him. It was like, man, man, it felt destined to be. It really did. And um, yeah, 2021, he had a lousy coaching staff that was trying to make him. That was square pegging, uh, you know, square peg round hole with him the whole season. Last year, he didn't have anybody surrounding. You know, it was poor, you know, inferior talent surrounding him, and he still balled out. You know, had a lot of work to do with the passing game, but running and showing what a dynamic athlete he can be. So, we go out and get DJ Moore, sign Robert Tunyon, draft. Don all right sign Nate Davis uh, you know reshuffle the offensive line to get our best five out there get Roshan Johnson in in free, in uh, in the draft uh, as well looks like we're ready to make a move and the move is uh, to regress and look worse and it's been bad so it all comes down to how the bears look on Thursday to determine what the future looks like starting on Friday so that being said, as much as I would love to be like, hey, it's us against the world, we're going to show up and we're going to get it done. But um, I don't know how much fight this team at the moment has in them, especially for Eberflus and, and everything like that. I feel like the guy's doomed, uh, unfortunately. So I'm going to take the commanders uh, on this one to, uh, to come out ahead. And like I said, it will all come down to how the Bears play for the the decision to be made on on what happens next for my beloved. Game number two, we got Jacksonville at Buffalo. The Bills may be the hottest team in the league right now after that week one overtime walk-off loss to the Jaguar, or excuse me, to the Jets, I should say. They have won 3 straight in dominating fashion and the cherry on top being a 48 to 20 drubbing of the Dolphins at Buffalo, in Buffalo on Sunday. So they kind of worked their way up to it. Uh, after losing 22 to 16 in overtime week 1 on Monday night football, they beat the Raiders 38 to 10, they beat the Commanders 37 to 3, and then they beat up on the Dolphins on Sunday, averaging 30 points uh averaging win margin has been 30 points a game over the last three weeks and here come the Jaguars who are still trying to find themselves offensively you know they managed to score 31 uh, against the uh Colts week one got skunked against the Chiefs losing 17 to 9 uh in that one week two and then last week got rolled in their own building by the Texans, just kind of something that just kind of came out of nowhere. But apparently it was this, like, epiphany moment for the Texans. We'll actually get to them next because they made the pick six this week against the Falcons, so we'll talk about them actually right after this. But, you know, because Houston backed that up by beating up on the Steelers on Sunday. So, but Jacksonville was able to go over to the U.K., which is like their second home uh, because of uh, Shad Khan's uh, connections out there. And they're actually staying out there. This game is going to be in the U.K. Uh, only now they're the road team uh, in the U.K. versus uh, being the home team against the Falcons uh, on Sunday. So another, like, 8.30 a.m. start here in the Central Time Zone uh, for the Jags and the Bills. I'm, I don't think this one's going to be Toy Story animated like uh, like uh, like the other one was. I tried to watch that last night. It's on Disney+. Plus. And I don't know if it just got better or if, like, the highlights were the only thing that went right uh, or something. But there were a lot of glitches. I only got about the first ten minutes uh, of it. Uh, eight and a half of it was pregame nonsense, so I did a lot of fast-forwarding just to get to the game. And, uh, yeah, there was some, I don't know if it was just some glitches that they had to work their way through uh, in the beginning. But uh, I didn't even really get through, like, the first drive because uh, they were messing that up. So, Anyway. But, you know, it really is going to be a, uh, a put-up-or-shut-up kind of moment for the Jaguars. You know, they, they, they beat the the Falcons and the Colts. Not really two teams that you can brag about beating uh, at this point. Um, the, the, the loss to the Texans could be one that looks better as time goes along because the Texans are, for the last two weeks, have been playing some really good football. And then, you know, playing the champs to the last minute, you know, in a 17-9 to loss also in their building. So their two losses this year are uh, at home in Jacksonville, back-to-back to Kansas City and then uh, Houston. So they're the road team again this week uh, against the Bills over in, in the U.K. They're in Tottenham Hotspur uh, Stadium this time as opposed to Wembley on Sunday. And uh, I don't know how bad this is going to be because not only is have the has Josh Allen appeared to figure things out uh, as far as throwing the ball and, and doing what he does, because um, he's got four interceptions on the year. Three of those he threw in Week One against the Jets. So in the last three games, he's thrown nine touchdown passes and only one. Interception, and strangely enough, the uh, the Bills are 3-0 in those uh, games. Uh, Stefan Diggs is still a warrior. Four touchdowns, uh, almost 400 yards receiving on 31 catches so far uh, this year. And like I said, the defense has been nothing to sneeze at either. Holding a team that scored 70 points last week to only 20 this week, and three points for the Commanders, which literally came in the last minute of the game. They kicked that field goal with 51 seconds left uh, in the game uh, last Sunday. And the week before, they held the Raiders to 10 points. And so their defense is also not messing around at this point. Not only has has Josh Allen, uh, you know, kind of figured it out and and reemerged, but uh, the defense has actually been playing like studs all year. Because they they only gave up 16 points to the Jets week one because that last touchdown was a punt return. So it's not like the offense did a walk-off on them. It was a punt return. Uh, That was on the special teams. So the defense for the Bills has kind of been on point all season, and they're getting Von Miller back. Because Von Miller famously said earlier this week that, um, you know, don't be surprised if you see me playing on Sunday. So... Or is it something like I wouldn't bet against me playing on Sunday? So, yeah, the Bills are are strong and appear to be getting stronger, uh, adding Von Miller to a defense that's already balling out uh, and, you know, having an offense that is doing outstanding right now. And they're not running the ball that well. They're really not running the ball very well at all. I don't even think they're averaging 100 yards a game at this point uh, in the running game even with Josh Allen's contributions with his legs James Cook has been their uh main ball carrier so far and he's only got 296 on 56 carries so i mean it's not a bad ratio i guess if you if you do the math i think it's it's almost somewhere in the 5 yards per carry range but um only one touchdown Uh, on the ground, but you don't really need it when Josh Allen is slinging the ball all over the place to Gabe Davis and Stephon Diggs and Dawson Knox and uh, was the kid they drafted? Kincaid from, uh, I believe, Utah in the first round this year. So, I don't know. It's a tough hill to climb. Hopefully Jacksonville can make a game out of it, but I'll take the uh, Bills to get this one over the Jacksonvilles over in Tottenham Hotspur. Maybe the fact that Jacksonville has been in the UK this entire week, and the Bills maybe suffer from some jet lag or, you know, yeah, jet lag would be the main uh, issue, I would think, you know, that they didn't have enough time to get acclimated because what's going to be like a 5 in the afternoon, two, 2 or 3 in the afternoon kickoff for them, it would be 9 in the morning out here uh, or nine 9.30 Eastern or whatever for the Bills. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if that plays into it. But all things being equal, I'll take the Bills all day over the Jaguars.
1: Okay.
0: Game number three, we got Houston two and two at Atlanta two and two. Both of these teams are headed in opposite directions. The Falcons started two and zero oh and have lost two straight. Houston started zero oh and two and earn, are have won uh, two straight, impressively against the uh, ja- uh, the Jags last weekend. And then this past Sunday, a uh, home drubbing of the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers where they were basically in control from the beginning, having a 16 to nothing lead uh, at halftime and winning it 30-6 to six over the Steelers. They even knocked Kenny Pickett out of the game in the third quarter with a knee injury. C.J. Stroud has been the truth, man. 94 of 151, 120, 100, 1,212 yards, excuse me. Six touchdowns and the most important stat, even for a rookie quarterback, four games in, 151 pass attempts, zero interceptions. I think he may have turned over the ball, like in, in maybe in a strict, sap, strict sack type situation, but otherwise, C.J. Stroud has been back there throwing the ball and getting it done uh, for the uh, for the Texans. Uh, at this point, I mean, even in their losses, uh, week one against the. Ravens, week two against the Colts. I think he threw four hundred yards against the, the Colts, but they were playing from behind early on uh in that one. And uh, weren't able to uh weren't able to catch up in time uh to the Colts uh in the thirty one twenty I think it was like a thirty one twenty one loss to the uh to the Colts on that one. But uh last week, week three not only did they catch some breaks with the even with the fullback accidentally scoring an 85-yard kickoff return uh, for a touchdown, but uh, you know the offense was outstanding last week with Stroud, uh, th- you know scoring 30 points to 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 win 37 to 17 in Jacksonville against the defending division uh, champs. I don't think anyone, I certainly did, and I put I had 14 points on the Jags uh, to win that one, boy. Couldn't have looked more wrong than I did in that moment. Yeah, not only did I put 14 points on a team that lost, they lost by 20 at home. Yeah, <laughs> thanks a lot, guys. But uh, the Falcons, on the other hand, they win against Carolina week one against uh, Bryce Young, who was struggling in his first start uh, in the league. Week two, they make this epic comeback in the fourth quarter to uh, stop out uh, Jordan Love's three touchdown passes and, and get a, get a win over them uh, in at home in Atlanta. But the last two weeks, they were in Detroit, and then they were the road team over in the U.K. Uh, against the Jags, and they got rolled in both of those games. For a team that scored 24 week one against the Panthers, 25 week two uh, against the Packers, they've combined to score 13 points in their last two games. You know, they lost, uh, what was it, like 20-something, 24-7, to to the Jaguars and they lost 20 to six last week to the, uh, lions. So either Arthur Smith has been figured out or they just ran into some buzz saw defenses the last two weeks. I think it's more of a combination of the two. Cause I don't really think the Jags are world beaters, uh, on defense. I mean, they're certainly going to need every ounce of that against Buffalo, uh, on Sunday, but it's not so much that they're so immovable that, uh, you know they couldn't have scored more uh, against the uh, against the uh, Jags uh, on Sunday, but Desmond Ritter threw a pick six that doesn't help uh, on you know this past Sunday against the uh, against the Jags. One of the few highlights that we saw uh, from that game was uh, the Jaguars picking him off and running him back in in, in Andy's bedroom there in animated Toy Story fashion, but. You know, Bijan Robinson, who was a big story the first two weeks of the season, has been virtually silent these last two weeks against Jacksonville and, and the uh and the uh Lions. So I don't know if it was shut down B. John Robinson, shut down the Falcons, uh or whatever the situation has uh has been, but uh they have certainly not been getting it done really on either side of the ball these last two weeks. So the Falcons have to ask themselves, you know, are we going to be that team that takes control of this division that's waiting to be claimed? Or are we going to be also ran again this year, even with this you know talent? Are we still a quarterback away from making a move uh, in the NFL? Is Desmond Ritter the answer at quarterback? Or like some people would like to see, Now that, you know, his career in Chicago is tanking, why not uh, send Justin Fields back home to Georgia? That's where he's from and grew up a Falcons fan. Wouldn't it just be the thrill of his life to be traded to Atlanta? You know, I saw a meme the other day. Justin Fields goes to Atlanta and the Falcons send us Desmond Ritter. I don't want him, but okay. A third rounder in 2024 and like a fifth rounder in 2025. (sighs) make it a second round pick and we can talk um you know the 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 other the day 3 pick in 2025 whatever but as far as like a, you know the headline pick in that one make it a second rounder you know just make it a second rounder and i'll think about it right now my answer would be no i don't want justin fields to go anywhere i've already talked about that in this episode i've always been a fan of his i felt like it was destined to be with the way everything just kind of fell into place on draft day in 2021 for him to be a Chicago bear. I don't want to see him go anywhere. I was kind of hoping that this would be a 10 to 15 year experiment with Justin fields, not, uh, not a three year, you know, now we're trading him mid season in, in this third season and, and all that kind of stuff. I, I don't want to see that happen, but you know, something has to change in Atlanta, whatever it was, I mean, if it was just the low level of talent that they beat up on in those first two weeks, um, was week one, a liar for the Packers as a Kyle Brandt would say. And, uh, you know, that, that beating of the bears was the fact they played the bears and it was week one and weird things happen week one. And, you know, they came back against the saints two weeks ago, but then got their asses handed to them by the, by the, uh, Lions on Thursday Night Football for the whole world to see uh, ten days ago. So you know we'll we'll uh, we'll have to wait and see uh, on that. But those were the teams that they beat in the first two weeks, and we haven't seen them since because six points against Detroit, seven points against Jacksonville. They're back at home where they played their best football, but they're also playing a team that has played some outstanding football the last two weeks. Thirty-seven points against the. Jaguars thirty points last week against the Steelers. I am going to go with the hot hand. Give me, uh, give me the Texans, even though they're on the road. Where Atlanta's played well and won their first two games. I still like the Texans in this one. <laughs> Cincinnati one in three at Arizona, also one in three. Uh, I mean, talk about. I mean, just. This, where Cincinnati is lucky to be one and three at this point because it took either a late field goal or overtime for them to beat the, the Rams on Monday Night Football uh, on week three. Otherwise, they scored three points week one against the Browns. They they fought tooth and nail with the Ravens but lost to them at home week two, like 27-24 or something like that. And they beat the Rams like 19-16. to 16. On Monday Night Football, and then go out to tennis, and then were they home when they played the? Uh, either way, they lost twenty-seven to three. So I was like, "What is going on with the with the offense? I mean, is is it back to being the offensive line being that much of a factor uh, against it? Is Joe Burrow's leg still bothering him? That calf injury he suffered in in training camp that's messing with his mobility, like he can't run out of the pocket or or run around the pocket, to, you know, or anything like. Because Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, those guys are all healthy. So is the offensive line the issue? Is is Joe Mixon not being uh, as much of a factor as he was before? So they have no run game. I mean, what is the situation with the Bengals right now? And the Cardinals, on the other hand, we all expected them to be to be talking about them the way we're talking about the. Bengals. Like you're lucky to be one and three at this point. And instead, with the way that they've played, you're not surprised they're three they're not they're three and one right now. They took a sixteen to ten lead into the fourth quarter against the Commanders on the road. They were up twenty to nothing at halftime over the Giants at home week number two. Week three they actually played a 60-minute football game and beat the Cowboys 28 to 16. And then this past Sunday, we're only down 5 going into the fourth quarter against the 49ers who many, including myself, consider to be the best team in football right now. I mean, the final score was 35 to 16, so but going into that fourth quarter, the Cardinals were still in this game, 21 to 16. Josh Dobbs has been a revelation when it looked like he was a sacrificial lamb being, you know, traded to the traded from the Browns to the Cardinals like five days before the season and then being penciled in as the day one starter. He's been outstanding for them. Not so much a juggernaut of statistics or whatever, but he's been good for them. He's been smart with the football. I'm not seeing any interceptions uh, in his stats. You know, 814 yards, so he's averaging a little over 200 yards a game uh throwing uh the football. James Connors running the ball well. Marquise Brown, uh Hollywood Brown doing some things uh as well, scoring a couple of touchdowns and they're playing well on defense as well. So I mean at the very least they're being coached very, very well right now. Which has to give Cardinal fans uh a lot of uh hope and excitement for the for the upcoming season. Like Which is actually, you know, not that the—I mean, the Bears weren't doing this last year, but you know, it's it's a similar situation to what the Bears were doing, where they go into 2023 looking ahead to 2024 because of they have Houston's first-round pick uh, next year. They weren't expected to play well this year, so they could very well have two top-five picks next year and come away with with what's going to be or uh, lauded to be a very top-heavy draft next year. Great quarterbacks coming out, and Drake May, Caleb Williams. You got Marvin Harrison Jr., Brock Bowers, two outstanding tackles, and and I believe Joe Alt from Notre Dame, and and Fashanu, I believe, is how you pronounce the left tackle from Penn State's last name. Those are what, five, six players I just named off the top of my head? Those are likely to be the top six picks in the draft next year. And, you know, there's also a corner from, uh, I think, Alabama. His first name is Kool-Aid. Really? Really, bro? <laughs> Please tell me that's a nickname, like Sauce Gardener, that somebody didn't actually put Kool-Aid on your birthday kit. I digress. But, you know, that's the situation that Arizona was kind of looking at going into this, and then here they come in, and now they've become this team that doesn't go away. That, you know, when, when you're playing a team that's better than you, you fight them to the very end and they have to earn victories against you. What are you going to do when you have that influx of talent? Because I think that they're in a similar situation to what the Bears were, where they're going to have, um, not only do they have that extra first-round pick, but they're also going to be uh, loaded as far as free agency and cap space uh, and everything. So you'll be able to go out and attract some people. And with the way that they're playing, uh, the way that they're being coached up with this "quote unquote" inferior team that they have, this could be quite a destination for some players to go out there uh, next season and and see if uh, they can't turn this thing around and quick, fast, and in a hurry uh, for Arizona. And the reason that I put this game in the pick six right now is that this right now with the way these two games are playing, two teams are playing. I'm picking the Cardinals uh, to win, even though it's probably like my one or two game uh, on the on my confidence scale. The Cardinals are just playing better football right now, which definitely means that Cincinnati is going to come out and figure it out and score 30 points and you know win this one in a laugher or, uh, or whatever. But you know, all things being equal, just just look at it right now. Look at the way the Cardinals are playing. They beat the Cowboys handily at home. They drubbed the Giants and the, and the um, I was going to say Redskins, commanders in the first two weeks, only to give up leads late. And then, like I said, with the Cowboys, they figured out how to play a 60-minute ball game and won. And then last week against the best team in the league, on the road in San Francisco, they were down five going into the fourth quarter. So this is not a team you can mess around with. Because if you're not careful, like the Cowboys... They'll sneak up on you and steal one. So this is going to be a game where Cincinnati is absolutely the better team. They have the most talent. They have a quarterback. in Joe Burrow, there's a franchise guy for the next 15 years uh, out there. They've got uh, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, and I always forget who the third guy is. They got Joe Mixon in the backfield. They're going to have to be perfect, though, because if they make mistakes – this Arizona team is going to jump all over them. And um, with the way that Cincinnati has been playing, they're going to serve up a mistake or two, and I think the Cardinals are going to pounce, and that's why I'm picking them uh, to win uh, on Sunday. So keep an eye on that one. I may end up regretting only putting one or two points on the Cardinals to to win this one, but uh, right now that's who I like. I'm going with uh, Arizona. <coughs> The Jets at Denver. Is this another toilet bowl or, <laughs> you know, with the 0-3 Broncos coming into Chicago to play my 0-3 Bears? Um, you know, it's uh, it wasn't a matchup anyone was looking forward to. It actually ended up being a really good game. Uh, just as a football fan, it was a lot of fun. As a Bear fan, it was three and a half quarters. It was three quarters of joy one quarter of utter, utter sadness and disappointment, and we come away with our fourth loss in four games. But um, as a football fan, it's like, man, this is this is why you watch football. It was good stuff. And the Jets, after going toe to toe with uh, the world champs on Sunday Night Football, even with the Swifties watching, you know, maybe you're because it was it it was look it was looked like a game where Zach Wilson might have turned a corner, playing against the the world champions and and taking their best shot and uh, you know playing as well as he did uh, on Sunday and and more more importantly not being the reason that they lost. That's a big step uh, for Zach Wilson, where he was I mean when I was previewing the game, I even said, as long as the Jets keep trotting out, Zach Wilson as their starting quarterback, I'm not going to pick him. But with the way he played against Kansas City on Sunday and the way that Denver's playing on defense these days, this could be a really good game for Zach Wilson to really emerge or at the very least, like I kept saying before the Bear game, a really great opportunity for them to figure out what it's supposed to look like when the offense is run properly. When you're playing against the cupcake defense like the Broncos have, you're gonna have a chance to uh to do some things right and make some progress offensively, and this could be the turnaround game for Zach Wilson I mean maybe i'm I'm building up too much on one decent performance that he had uh, against the chiefs uh, on sunday but and and they did ultimately lose the game, but it wasn't Zach Wilson's fault like it had been uh especially in the last couple of weeks that that you know terrifying loss to the uh, to the Cowboys the week before, the defense was stellar. Held the Patriots to 15, but they only scored 10. Uh, in you know on offense to uh, to still lose that game at home. Last week against the Chiefs, they went blow for blow uh, with them. So I mean, it was an outstanding performance from from Wilson and one that really, you know, one of the stories in news and notes last week was that the defense was getting pissed off at Robert Sala for seemingly being a Zach Wilson uh, apologist. Like, why do you keep supporting him when you know he's the reason we're not playing well? Well, go back and watch the end of the game on Sunday Night Football. You're seeing teammates from all walks of life on that team coming up to Zach Wilson to console him uh, at the end of that football game. So it seems like even his performance won over his teammates on Sunday, and that can have a extremely positive effect on the team uh as a whole. The Broncos on the other hand, yes they finally got a win. They did it in comeback fashion uh on the road uh against the uh Bears, but they also allowed an offense that uh couldn't get anything going to go for, you know, almost 500 yards if not more uh in total offense. Uh, to go up on them twenty-eight to seven before they uh, finally figured it out and and you know made the comeback against the team that's just begging to collapse uh, to you. The difference here is that the Jets are championship level on defense. So if the Jets manage to get out to a twenty-eight to, to twenty-one to seven lead or a twenty-eight to seven lead, they are not coming back this time. Even with this game at Mile High, that's not happening. So the the key for Denver in this one is going to be get out to a fast start and put all the pressure on Zach Wilson and that offense and see if he can hold up, see if he can meet the challenge of Russell Wilson going out there and putting a quick 14 points uh, on the board. Because, number one, this is a defense that's not going to let that happen lightly. And also with Zach Wilson, he had a solid performance, and I'm actually picking the Jets to win this game, but – you know, it's not a complete turnaround and he's finally figured out how to play football at the NFL level. There's still an opportunity here to knock him back down to where he was and especially to do it mentally uh, as well. So I don't know if Aaron Rodgers was his good luck charm and that's why he played so well with Rogers in attendance at MetLife on, on Sunday, uh, or if it was just an epiphany and uh, he played a much better uh, football game against the chiefs. But uh, you know, after watching Justin Fields look incompetent and you know undercoached uh, in the first three weeks, to watch him emerge as the All-Pro quarterback, I always knew he could be against this defense. You got to think that Zach Wilson is going to have some kind of success like that against them uh, on Sunday, and with the Jets' defense, that's what's pushing me over the edge to give this one to the Jets on Sunday. (laughs) And then the main event so far, the game of the year, Dallas at San Francisco for Sunday night football. This is the two heavyweights right now in the NFC. And depending on who you talk to one and two in the power rankings, if you, you know, depending on the, the list. And, um, honestly, I don't see it. I don't, I know the Cowboys are, are playing well. I know that they're they're loaded for bear, but uh, I think this is San Francisco's year. And uh, you know, back in the early '90s, when it was the Niners and the Cowboys going back and forth and always playing each other in the NFC Championship game and uh, and all that kind of stuff, I don't think this is that kind of rivalry. You know, the Cowboys are playing well and they've got a loaded roster. But I don't think they're on they're not number one, they're at a gross disadvantage at coaching. Because Kyle Shanahan is head and shoulders better than Mike McCarthy. And um, you know, Brock Purdy is playing better than Dak Prescott. And they just got I mean, Christian McCaffrey's making a case for MVP right now with, with I mean he scored four touchdowns last week against the uh against the Cardinals. And, uh, you know, they they just – there's just too much on that – for San Francisco. It's – I mean, if there's a game they're going to lose, it's probably this one. Um, I've been hearing that the Cowboys' lineup is kind of a matchup nightmare for the 49ers. I'll have to see that actually happen. But uh, I like the 49ers in this one. I just like the 49ers, period. Um, You know, they're just – they're playing too well. They really got lucky and did well by, uh, you know, drafting Brock Purdy. And even though he was forced into duty uh, and everything, the the kid's been nothing but sensational uh, so far uh, in his uh, young career. He's going to have the spotlight on him because you know that they're going to beat that Mr. Irrelevant into the ground uh, on Sunday. I'm sure there's going to be some silly-ass graphic uh, that we see. The other quarterbacks taken ahead of him and, there he is wearing a jersey with number two hundred and fifty-five on it, or whatever pick he was in the twenty twenty-two draft, and how many wins he has versus the other quarterbacks in that class, and all the rest of that stuff. I'm sure that NBC's graphic department will earn its money on Sunday, um, you know, doing what, uh, doing the Brock Purdy story. But you couple Brock Purdy, and the way he's playing along with Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel and uh, Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle and the offensive line with Trent Williams in front of him. And granted, the Cowboys are studs on the defensive side. They got probably the best defensive player in the league in Micah Parsons uh, over there. But he's going to be going head-to-head with Trent Williams uh, for a majority of his snaps uh, on Sunday. We'll see how many times he can win that battle against that nasty man. And uh, that was that's what it will come down to because it's a strength, to strength, strength versus strength matchup, the, uh, the 49ers offense versus the Cowboys defense. Whoever wins that matchup wins the game. Right now my money is on the uh, 49ers. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up by saying 49ers win on Sunday over the Cowboys. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys, that is going to do it for the week five preview of the fourth phase. Come back on either Friday night or first thing Saturday for the Week 5 Bears Commanders Review uh, episode uh, with the game, you know, being on Thursday night, not ending till somewhere between 10 and 11 uh, p.m. out here. I'll probably elect to wait until Friday morning uh, to record the show, win or lose. And, um, you know, so I'll be pumping it out probably Friday afternoon uh, when I get done Uh, recording it Uh, if not look for it first thing on saturday and then we'll have the weekend off and be back monday or tuesday i should say for the week five review episode of the fourth phase so keep your eyes open for the bears commanders review episode either late friday or early saturday and then come back tuesday because i'll be on a mini buy. come back on tuesday for the week five review of the fourth phase until then My name is Larry D. This has been the fourth phase. We will see you next time.